Side Hustle Show 262, the most common website mistakes and how to fix them. What's up? What's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show because when somebody Googles you, what do you want them to find? Awesome show for you today and a super nerdy one as we're getting down into the weeds a little bit, talking about your website, the deadly sins it might be guilty of, and of course, how to atone for those. I'm joined by my friend Anthony Tran from marketingaccesspass.com. It's a web design and development agency that he runs and also accesswp.com, a WordPress support service. So safe to say, Anthony knows a thing or two about websites because he's been building and supporting these things for years. In this episode, stick around to hear our favorite tools and plugins to make your site uh, more secure, faster, more SEO friendly, and perhaps most importantly, more engaging for the visitors that happen to find it. I love geeking out on this stuff because I learn something new every time. Now, if you don't have a website of your own yet, you can hit up sidehustlewebsite.com and my free video series is going to walk you through how to get set up quickly and affordably. Notes and links for this one are at sidehustlenation.com slash Anthony. And while you're there, be sure to download the free PDF highlight reel summary with all of Anthony's top tips from this call. Now, we're going to cover a lot of tools in today's call, but there's another one you should know about that's recommended by 97% of small business owners, and that's FreshBooks. FreshBooks.com is the affordable accounting solution built specifically for side hustlers and freelancers. I'd like to thank FreshBooks for sponsoring today's show and for helping thousands of entrepreneurs, myself included, get paid. As a Side Hustle Show listener, they're hooking you up with a 30-day completely free trial at freshbooks.com slash side hustle. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30-day free trial today. I'll be back with my top takeaways from this chat with Anthony after the interview. We begin this conversation on the important but often overlooked topic of website security. Ready? Let's do it. We have some mutual friends who've had issues with websites being hacked, and I've definitely dealt with my fair share of clients who've come to me and go, oh my gosh, Anthony, my site is broken, it's been hacked, and what do I do? So let's kind of start with some common mistakes that people make and then how to avoid it. So let's start with username, for example, right? Your username when you first create a WordPress installation is typically admin. And that is a very bad username to be using consistently because if any hacker knows that that's a common one, they're going to try that one first. Sure. So if you have a username that's currently admin, what I would suggest is you go into your WordPress dashboard under user and add a new user account. And once you create a new account, delete the one that had admin, but make sure that when you do delete it, that you move all your posts to the new user profile. So that's a common signal one. Do you need to delete that account or just change the display name or just change the username? You need to delete it because it's still going to be there. So people could use it to access. But also a common mistake is when you have a default blog post, it'll display your admin name. So that is the thing too. If you currently have your settings where it displays your author name and let's say it's using your username to, I don't know, let's say it's side hustle. Side Hustle Nation is your username. It's not, but let's say it is. You would want to go into your general settings and then change it to Nick Loper. Okay. So that way the hacker won't go to your website and go, oh, I know what his username is. It says it right there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. It's kind of like your display name. So it'll say like written by, you know, Nick Loper on such and such a date. Mm-hmm. Exactly. 
So if it says written by admin on such and such a date, that's a security problem. That's a red flag because you're basically telling the whole world what your username is. Okay. All right. What else is going on? Do you have like a favorite security plugin that you like to beef up the security inside of WordPress? Definitely a good security plugin would be WordFence. WordFence is a free version and there's also a paid version that offers some different features, but it'll offer you the firewall. It'll offer you malware scanning, real-time threat detection, block brute force attacks. So it's a good, reliable plugin that's well-known in the industry. So you can't go wrong with WordFence. Okay. And there's definitely some other things that you want to do on a monthly basis, which is to make sure you are updating your plugins and your WordPress core software. Because recently WordPress said, hey, if you don't update to the latest WordPress installation, you're going to have issues with security vulnerabilities and people can hack into your site. So everybody that I know updated their WordPress to the latest version. So if you haven't done it recently, please do. And it'll show kind of like in your top navigation bar when you log in, there's a little like icon that says how many updates you have for different plugins, the themes, and then WordPress itself. But like when you update WordPress itself, I think mine is set to do it automatically. But for years, it was always, we strongly recommend you take a backup before. And it was like this really intimidating process. And then you're going off to like Google to be like, well, how do I take a backup? And then you end up just being like, well, I don't want to break anything. I'll just if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing. Do you have, do you run into similar problems or is it like, Nick, that's not an issue? <laughs> well, yeah, here's the thing. You definitely should be backing up your website before you do any kind of updates. So before you update plugins, before you update WordPress, if you do a manual update, make sure you back up your site. If your web hosting provider offers backup, like that's awesome. So for example, WP Engine offers daily automatic backups. Flywheel does it. But if you're, hosting provider doesn't, then you can go to managewp.com. I think it's for like two bucks a month, it'll do daily updates for you. So that's a great backup service that I use that's reliable and and that I've tested it myself and use for clients. So managewp.com, or if you're, like I said, if your web hosting provider offers it, then that's a good bet for you. Okay. I think my host takes daily backups as well, but I always want to have something that I can control too. And so I think I can't remember which one I'm using, either Updraft or Backup to Dropbox. I mean, there's a dozen of these different plugins that'll get that done for you. Yep. But either way, you just they'll offer you the automatic backups. But if you're constantly working on your site throughout the day, it's a good practice to do your own manual updates like right before you do something and then give it a name so you know when to reference back to it. Okay. And then it's safe to update the WordPress, <laughs> the WordPress core. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Safe to update WordPress core as long as you have the backup. So that way, just in case you get the white screen of death or something, you can bring it back. Just in case. You never know what's going to happen. And the same thing with the plugins. It's like, ah, do I need to update this stuff? Or is it going to break something? Because like a couple of times it has broken. And I'm like, well, holy crap, I wish I hadn't updated. Now you've created all this extra work for me. So here's a tip with that. Okay. Make sure if you have a plugin that says, oh, you know, an update just came out. I usually wait at least a week (laughs) before I use the update because if the update is something wrong with it, other people will end up having the issues and then report it to the plugin developer and then they'll have some time to fix the little kinks out of the update. Yeah. I guess I have the same mentality with the core. It's like, I don't want WordPress 5.0 when it's like fresh off the presses. I want 5.0.1 after they've ironed out the glaring issues. Exactly. Yeah. Always wait. Just a couple of days just to get everybody else to kind of like work out the kinks. All right. Give it a minute there. Yep. All right. 
one of the other issues with WordPress is it comes bundled with some plugins. Well, when you first start your site, the first post is like, hello world. And so you should go in and delete that or replace that with a post that is actually relevant to your site. But the other one is like the hello dolly plugin that just shows up on every installation for no apparent reason that I can tell. Yeah, there's definitely some plugins that you don't need, like Hello Dolly, like you mentioned. There are going to be some pages or posts that are just templates or placeholders. Yeah. Make sure you delete all those. And then you're going to have a whole bunch of themes. If you have like WordPress version 2015 or 2016 or something like that, go ahead and delete those. Just keep one of them. So I keep like the latest version, so 2017. Okay. Theme 2017. And then later we'll have come out with theme 2018. I'll just delete anything that are older than that. That way you have something to kind of go back to if you need to, but you don't need all those other ones to just slowing down your site, giving your site vulnerability to get hacked into. So just delete anything that's not necessary. Okay. Because you can always reinstall those if you find out that you need them, but you'll typically be using whatever theme that you've chosen as your active theme. And then you, you say, okay, we'll keep the 2017, keep the 2018 like default WordPress theme, just like in the background you know, in your back pocket, just in case. And then typically like a child theme of whatever the parent theme that you're using, right? Yep, that's right. Okay. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over three and a half million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster. And 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors. And what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets. And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What about security at like the site level. So I know Google's been making a big push and we just switched the Side Hustle Nation site to SSL where it's basically showing H. If you travel a lot for work or for vacation, you might be familiar with that feeling you get knowing you're leaving your space unused for long periods of time and you're still paying for that privilege. But hosting on Airbnb means you don't have to leave your home sitting empty when you're away. Being an Airbnb host isn't just a way to earn some extra cash. It's a chance to share your space and make a guest's vacation all the more memorable. You might be thinking, eh, maybe my place isn't the right fit, but don't write it off just yet. Your potential Airbnb might be right in front of you. Whether it's a spare room or even your entire home, there's an opportunity waiting. Airbnb turns your home into a practical and even profitable venture. We just got back from a family trip to Hawaii where we stayed in a great Airbnb, but our place back home could have been a highlight to somebody else's travels, and we could have used the extra cash to help pay for the trip. So if you're curious about hosting on Airbnb, find out how much your space could be worth by visiting airbnb.com slash host. Once again, that's airbnb.com slash host. HTTPS at the beginning of the URL instead of HTTP? Is this something that people should be worried about? Yes. So they made it optional 
And it's still pretty much optional unless you have an e-commerce site and you're doing some transactional things on your website, then you definitely need secure. But they are also starting to penalize certain sites or lower your rankings if you're not HTTPS. So they wanted to give people some time to kind of like adapt to that new thing, but I'm pretty much putting everything now to HTTPS. So the good news is a lot of web hosting providers understand that this is a need for all websites. So they are offering, a lot of them at least, are offering as free, as a free SSL update or upgrade. So like WP Engine, Flywheel, I think SiteGround offers it. They offer a basic SSL for free. So contact your web hoster if you haven't done so already and ask them, hey, do you have any free SSL certificates that we can install? Have you had any issues with people switching over? It seems like that would be a no-brainer if you're starting your new site from scratch, like to set it up that way. But like, have you seen issues? Like the first time I tried to switch, (laughs) everything broke. And I was like, holy crap, go back, revert to the backup. We'll try this again another time. Yeah, so this is a little techie if you maybe you want to get your web developer someone to help you, but there's a plugin called Better Search Replace and you can use it to essentially find a certain URL string and then replace it with something different. So what I did was, for example, my site, http forward slash marketingaccesspass.com, I said, find this, replace it with https forward slash marketingaccesspass.com. Okay. So it took all of the URLs, anything that's my links, my pages, my images, my media files, everything to convert it to HTTPS. So okay, okay, that is a tip to do it. But yeah, hopefully it didn't confuse anybody by that one. Yeah, and then the other one, I think, yeah, that may be a better way to do it. I think the one that I tried was really simple SSL or something. I don't remember what it was. But yeah, and, and then once you're done with that, find and replace in the database, you can theoretically delete that plugin because you don't need it anymore. Yeah, you can delete it once you use it once. Okay, and then on the spam this is like an annoying issue for like spam comments. Akismet is like five bucks a month. And then what's the, like, um, there's another one I'm using, GrowMap anti-spam plugin or something. Does that sound familiar? I haven't used GrowMap, but I definitely use Akismet and that's a great anti-spam. It doesn't capture everything. You still get a few that kind of sneak through the cracks. So it'll get like, they say, I think this is 99.9% or something. Yeah. The other thing is if you get a lot of comment spamming, you could also use a plugin like Discuss which requires people to log in with their social media profiles in order they can leave a comment. So that also has a spam filtering too. So you could use one, either one of those. Okay. Okay. Well, very cool. So that kind of covers the security stuff. And it's really, we don't like to talk about that because you're like, well, that won't happen to me. Sure. Other people get hacked, but it won't happen to me. And so you kind of like put it off and you put it off and you put it off. But I think it makes sense to maybe as a new year's resolution to say, okay, I'm going to take care of some of these pressing security issues even if it's just starting with WordFence, the plugin, and I imagine they'll kind of walk you through some of these easy steps that you ought to take to kind of protect your site there. What's next for us? How about just basic setup for your WordPress? If you just started your installation or if you had your site for a while, but you just didn't know to do it, here's some examples. Permalink structure, let's talk about that. So permalinks is basically your URL address or your address for your links. In the basic WordPress installation, Sometimes the settings is configured with having a date, your categories or your tags. But if you set it where you can go into your dashboard, you go to settings, then you go to permalinks and you want to choose post name and post name will basically configure it to whatever your title of your blog post is. So let's say sitehustlenation.com forward slash best 2017 plugins. It's going to have that same URL structure versus date, time and all that good stuff. 
Yeah. So the reason is, so this is important just for simplicity and, and for SEO to say like, I don't need all this other junk in my URL. I just want the keywords that are what the post is targeting. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Targeting keywords, it's simplicity for you to share so many benefits. So SEO is all about helping users have a better experience. So the more you make it better for them, the more Google will love you for it. Now, before you go and switch this, understand if you have internal links under an old setting, you're going to want to set up a redirect in your HT access file to say, okay, if the structure used to be something like this with a date and a tag and a category slash then the post name, you have to set that up before you just switch because then your otherwise your internal links and even external links are going to be broken, which would not be a good situation. But if you're starting from scratch, definitely choose the post name uh, architecture or structure. Yep. Okay. Good tip. How about one of the annoying things that I've found in WordPress is like these pingbacks. And a lot of times, like, because at least in the beginning of my blogging, nobody else was linking to me because nobody else knew the site existed. But like when I would internal link to my own posts, I'd get these like ridiculous pingbacks, like in the comment, they show up as a comment on the old post. And it was just like, what's the point of this? There is a standard WordPress setting when they're Pingbacks is also another name is it also called trackbacks, but you can turn that off, right? So it doesn't show up, like you said, on your comment section. You can go to the, oh gosh, I don't know how to explain this over audio, but basically on the very top of your WordPress, there's a little tab that says settings. You want to click on that and then you click and it'll give you the option to click on discussion. Once you have discussion, you go into the blog post area and you have the ability to checkmark comments or trackbacks and you can click the box to uncheck trackbacks, then you won't see the pingbacks or the trackbacks on your commenting file. Yeah, but I don't really see any purpose on it. It doesn't really benefit you. It's just kind of a notification for you to know when someone's linking back to that post of yours. Okay. So that would be the advantage is like, if you do have a post and you kind of want to see if somebody else is talking about you, you could leave that on. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I don't know, set up a Google alert or something instead. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like it looks weird in the comments to me. Okay. And then the other mistake that I made early on was just going crazy with tags. Oh, this is tag blogging, tag online marketing, tag content marketing, tag affiliate marketing. It was just like ridiculous. What I didn't realize was that WordPress is creating like a separate archive of all your posts underneath all of those tags. You could duplicate that one post like four times and that would be probably not great for SEO, probably not a great user experience too, if they're finding the same thing like all over the place. I don't know. What's your, what's your take on the category tag thing? Tags was pretty big back in the days with like tag clouds, but it's not a common practice anymore. For me, I feel like the best scenario is to put everything in categories. Categories is kind of your first level of organization where people can find information. But yeah, I honestly, I don't even use tags anymore. And my website ranks just fine on SEO. (laughs) I just organize everything via categories and then people can find it that way. I really don't mess with tags, but some people make the mistake of creating the same title of category and a tag. And then it just, yeah, you you can definitely cause some duplicate content in different folders and it just, it gets kind of messy. Is there such thing as too many categories? I think it's all about user experience. You know, if you can keep things in nice I like to look at your website as like a book, right? And each category is like a chapter in your book. Okay. If you have a hundred categories, it's going to make it a little bit hard for people to find what they're looking for. If you can simplify it to maybe like five or 10 main subjects that you have, then you make it better for user experience and organization for yourself too. 
Okay. Yeah, that was part of my last site audit project or, or latest iteration of kind of the content audit was like just finally deleting all the tags and really kind of consolidating some of the categories too. So now I think I have five or six top level categories like online business, e-commerce, freelancing, stuff like that. And then underneath those, we'll have a handful of subcategories that kind of fit under there. Like, oh, we're talking about self-publishing. We're talking about specifically like Amazon FBA underneath the e-commerce umbrella, something like that. But one way to avoid the duplicate content is, you know, don't go crazy with the, with the tags. Yeah, exactly. All right. Talk to me about website speed. So we talked a little bit about the SSL as a ranking factor, as just kind of general best practice. Talked a little bit about the permalinks as kind of an SEO factor. The other SEO factor outside of, you know, having great content and backlinks and all that stuff is the site speed. Like how fast does this load? It all comes back to that user experience for Google. So what do you use or what do you run your clients through for making sure their site loads quickly? Website speed definitely impacts SEO. It definitely impacts user experience, but it also, if you want to boost conversions, so if you have like sales or trying to get people to subscribe to your email list, if they try to get to your website and they can't get there, then you're going to lose potentially customers or leads that are going to subscribe to your email list. So I always start with a speed test. I like to use tools.pingdom. Tools.pingdom.com is a good free speed test tool. It'll tell you what your average load time is and how much your file size is. So use that. Typically, I would say try to be under two seconds. That's super fast. If you're at two and a half, great. But if you're starting to see your numbers at like four, five, six, seven seconds, then that's definitely you need to do some speed optimization. Okay. Let me kind of share with you some tips or some common mistakes with why their website is loading slow. I would say the biggest common mistake is images. People will load images that are too big and too large in, in file size. So let's say your website is trying to display an image that's only by 300 by 500 pixels. But you upload an image for 2,000 by 3,000 pixels for that little dimension area. And your image is high resolution and it's like two megabytes. Well, if you end up loading a ton of pictures like that, it's going to really slow down your website. So the first thing you should do is you should change the size to match that dimension. So if you have a large image, resize it using... Photoshop or Snagit or Pixlr.com, which is free, resize it to whatever dimension. So let's say it's 300 by 500, resize it to that. And then you want to compress that image. So what I mean by compressing is you use these free tools where it will compress the file size so that it's, it's smaller, Okay. but you don't lose a lot of resolution. So use tools like tinypng.com, that can compress JPEGs or PNGs. You can also use a plugin called WP Smush It. And you install that into your website. And every time you upload an image, it'll compress it a little bit. If you have an issue where you already have a ton of images on your website and they're already large and you don't know how you need to go back into those, I would use a plugin called Imagify.io. And I think for like five or 10 bucks, you'd be able to compress all of your images on your existing site. Oh, wow. So you don't have to re-upload everything. It's, it'll just compress everything for you. Okay. Yeah. I like the WP Smush plugin. Yeah. Every time I upload an image, it says, okay, we reduce this file size by however many kilobytes or something. Like, okay, I feel good about that. And then resizing, I use a free Photoshop Lite type software called Photoscape to do that. 
the well, let's take a look here. So I just ran Side Hustle Nation <laughs> through tools.pingdom.com speed test. It gave me a performance grade of D. It's a 63, I assume, out of 100. Load time was 3.1 seconds. So I've got an F grade for combining external JavaScript, an F grade for combining external CSS, an F grade for parallelize downloads across host names. Like all this stuff is like kind of a an intimidating foreign techie language to me. <laughs> is there like a is there like a done for you thing where I could just like is there like a checkbox? Like fine, do that. I'll I'll combine them. I'm fine with that, but I don't know how. Yeah, we do offer that as a service, uh, website speed optimization. So yeah, come talk to me, Nick. <laughs> you know, yeah, dude. 3.2 is a lot, man. I don't want to degrade. Yeah. <laughs> I want a faster site for sure. Some other cool things that you can do that helps your website speed is plugins, man. I mean, some people go crazy. They'll install like 50, 60 plugins and they don't even realize what it's doing to their website. And the more plugins you have, the more chances loading all of this information in the background. So my goal is always to get websites to be less than 20 plugins. So if there's plugins that either A, you don't need, or B, that you can combine with functionality, then do that. And then a lot of times people will just load plugins, but a lot of them are inactive. And so just delete the inactive. If you're not using it, delete it. A, it helps with your security and B, it'll help you with your speed. I don't want to even tell you how many plugins I have. Uh-oh. <laughs> maybe that's the reason why your website's slow. <laughs> all right. Maybe that's uh, some homework for me to go through and see what those are all doing. There's the, uh, is it the PPP, the Plugin Performance Profiler plugin? We'll kind of tell you where your resources are going on different plugins. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Gosh, I forgot what the other one was, but some of these plugins are pretty pretty heavy duty. So a lot of times when you're installing plugins, try to look for the keyword in there, lightweight. <laughs> a lot of plugin developers will say lightweight plugin. That way they'll, they'll kind of letting you know like, hey, this is not going to use all your resources. Another plugin that you could purchase that works really great is a caching plugin called WP Rocket. I think it's a wp-rocket.me, WP Rocket. This plugin is great. You can just plug and play. There are some settings, but you'll notice a difference once you install it already. Okay. One of the things is it's caching. And then it also allows you to, you know how like when you're scrolling through YouTube and it only loads the video once you kind of scroll down. So if your website has a ton of images, it only loads the images that people will see above the fold, right? And then as you scroll, it'll load the next image and it'll load the next image. So that way, when someone comes to your website, it's not trying to load this entire, all of your images at the same time. Like, you know, sometimes people have these long landing pages or sales letters that have tons of images and stuff. This thing will kind of load it as you go. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah. That's kind of a cool feature that, and you, so you like that one better than W3 Total Cache or some of these other caching plugins that have been around forever? Yeah. W3 Total Cache is great. It's a good solid caching plugin. But like I said, if there's ways for you to combine functionality where plugins have multiple functions, then that's a great. So WP Rocket is great because it's a caching plugin. It's a slow loading image plugin, essentially all in one. And then it also allows you to clean up your database. So some people end up installing three plugins for where this one, you can install one that can do it all for you. Oh, okay. The database cleanup plugin that I've used is WP Optimize and just kind of have a calendar reminder every three to six months, like to go in there and run this thing once and then delete it and then do it again in three months. But it's like, it's cleaning up 
old drafts of posts that you don't need anymore. It's cleaning up, I don't know, fragmented, I don't know, like abandoned little database dangling thing. I don't know what it does, but <laughs> yeah. supposedly it helps. So I'll take their word for it. But WP Rocket is is a new one to me. What else on the speed front? So I'll, I'll send you a note offline about <laughs> fixing my <laughs> fixing my site. Cool. Yeah. Other things that you can do, the major big factor in website speed is your hosting. Unfortunately, some of these hostings can be slow. So you can use some of these premium WordPress hosts like WP Engine or Flywheel, SiteGround, or even if you upgrade to like higher plans in Bluehost, could you could get better speed. So just check out your web hosting provider. They can definitely help you speed up your website. Is there a way to tell if it's your host that's slow or if it's your site? You know, that's a good question. Is it like the like the time to first bite metric or something? Like, is there a way to tell that? I'm not going to pretend like I know the answer to that because I'm not a web hosting developer, but okay. I'll just check with your web hosting provider. And there are definitely hosting providers that are faster than others. Sure. So I'll definitely look into that. Okay. And then if you're on shared hosting, like does caching do anything for you? Like I've heard kind of mixed reviews on that. Caching is good. The other thing too is CDN. We didn't talk about that, which is content delivery network. An example of that is let's say your web hosting provider is in New York and your website is in California. It just takes longer time for that information to travel from New York to California. So what a CDN does is it basically has these little nodes throughout the United States, throughout the world, where the information is already kind of stored midstream. So let's say it caches, the CDN caches your website in Texas. So now the time that it needs to go from Texas to California is a lot shorter than it was from New York to California. Okay. Now you may or may not see a big of a difference in the United States, but if you have a website that's global, that you're trying to travel information across the world, then CDNs definitely will help you too. Okay. Yeah, the one I'm using is Cloudflare. Is that what you like? Cloudflare is great. And it's free as far as I can tell. I guess they, they have a paid version too, but. Yep. All right. So we're going to speed up to, we're going to speed up the site, especially if you're driving paid traffic to landing pages, like you got to make sure that that loads instantly, especially if you're paying for people to come there, you know? All right. So that's on my homework list. Talk to me about common SEO mistakes aside from the architecture level stuff that we've talked about so far. Architectural stuff, making sure you have meta descriptions on all your blog posts and pages. For some of you who are kind of new to SEO, basically, let's say you type in something in Google, Site Hustle Nation, for example, you're going to see some search results and it'll say the title and it'll say a little short description of what your website's about. That's very important because it essentially improves your click-through rate or makes it worse. So you can control what that heading is going to say, what the title is going to say, what the description is going to say. And by adjusting your meta descriptions, you can, like I said, improve your click-through rate and one of the best plugins to do that is Yoast SEO. Yoast SEO will give you a little SEO score, tell you things to improve, and it'll allow you to adjust your meta descriptions. And kind of like what we talked about earlier, it has a lot of different other functionality, so you don't have to install additional plugins to do certain things. For example, sitemaps, right? Sitemaps is something that you will submit to your Google Webmaster tools. So before, I know that people would use a separate plugin to create a site. For you. Okay. But now Yoast SEO has the ability to create sitemaps within that same plugin. So now you have the ability to configure your meta descriptions and your sitemaps all into one plugin. You don't need two to do, you have, you get two for the price of one, I guess. Okay. So, which is still free. 
Which is still free. Yeah. Okay. And there you go. We're, we're doing stuff, you know, hey, you know, if you got a side hustle, you got to be on a budget, right? So you got to, you got to maximize your dollars. I'm all about it. No, I like the Yoast plugin. An important note on the meta description is like, this is not going to necessarily help or hurt your high level SEO. Like it's not something that's going to get crawled per se, but it is like Anthony said, to kind of improve the click-through rate of your listings that are already showing up in the search results. So one of my favorite things is to go through the Google search console, search analytics report to see posts that are maybe ranking two and below on Google. Like, you know, if they're on bottom of page one or if they're kind of like middle of page one, how could I tweak that description? How could I tweak that title tag in Yoast to make it more compelling, right? And maybe I could bump that up to number three, number two, and show a better click-through rate than, than my competitors on that page. Yeah, I will say I can vouch for that because I was doing some SEO analysis on my site and there was some keywords that were ranking maybe number seven or eight on the first page of Google. And I adjusted my meta descriptions to make improve the click-through rate. That's the only thing I did. And it boosted from like seven or eight ranking to like three or four. Wow. Yeah, so it was a pretty significant difference just by improving something that's going to entice people to click. So that is a good tip. That's awesome. Okay, so I'm in the Yoast SEO plugin here. Now looking at XML sitemap, it says here you can find your sitemap here. But then like I go into the Google Search Console and there's category sitemap, an image sitemap. Do I need to stress about all this stuff? Or is it just like one, you know, I just submit the one and it's going to be fine? The main two that you're going to look for is obviously you're going to include your pages and your post. You can do category sitemaps, but they have other stuff like tags. I don't mess around with that stuff. If your website has a lot of images, you could do media sitemaps. Or there's also in the premium version, there's the video sitemap version too. So if you have a lot of, if you're like a video blogger or something like that, you could do a video sitemap. Oh, okay. Now I'm under post types and it has a little kind of like on off toggle if you want to include posts, pages, media. So media set not in sitemap. Okay. So you can kind of say what you want to send over or what you want Yoast to build for you. And then you just kind of drop that in and paste that in to your webmaster tools or your Google search console, I think it's called now, where they can crawl that. Theoretically, they're going to find this on their own. It's just kind of like you kind of raising your hand and being like, hey, Google, here's the structure as I'd like you to see it. Yes, exactly. You're kind of encouraging them, giving them a quick nudge. Like, here you go. Right. (laughs) Here's everything I want you to see. Right. And we should say too, like if you come across some service provider that says, we're going to submit your site to 800 different search engines, like that's a scam. Don't spend any money on that. They will crawl, they will find you, do the Google search console thing, submit your sitemap there, but don't like pay somebody to submit your site to a bunch of search engines. That's my soapbox on that. (laughs) Any other like killer features inside of Yoast or any other plugins that we should know on on the SEO front? Those are the ones that I kind of just focus on. I will share that there are some other helpful plugins that you could use, like some of my favorite for to improve productivity, for example. But no more than 20. No, yeah, yeah, with no more than 20, right? So probably going to rattle off more than 20 in this episode, but go ahead. <laughs> maybe, maybe. But if, hey, this one I would say I use it on all my sites is Duplicate Post. Duplicate Post is great because especially if you have like a podcast or you do certain blog posts that you want to create another similar version of it. When you install this plugin, you will see next to your pages or posts, it'll say clone. When you click clone, it'll just make an exact duplicate, but it'll put it in draft mode. So when I used to have a podcast, I would just have my podcast show notes post like a framework of it. I just duplicate it. And that way it's always consistently in the same format. Oh, okay. So duplicate posts, like I said, improves productivity. Okay. Gosh, that's smart. I never heard of that. You talked about Pretty Link. I know that that one is a very common one that 
most people use because it allows you to shorten URL. So I think, for example, if this podcast episode comes out and it's like sidehustlenation.com, you know, Anthony from Marketing Access, blah, 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 blah. You could shorten it down to like sidehustlenation.com forward slash Anthony. So it's easier right. for people to remember and it's easier for you to share. So Pretty Link is a good one. Yeah. So I do that for all the podcast episodes, like you said, and you can find the show notes for this one at sidehustlenation.com slash Anthony. Way to force my hand on that one. Like, thankfully, I think you're probably the first Anthony. So that's good. And the other use of that is to, and this is probably where the name Pretty Link came from, is to make your affiliate links look prettier. You know, instead of gobbledygook URL slash, you know, some crazy parameters, it's just sidehustlenation.com slash whatever, you know, slash Bluehost or something for the affiliate link there. Yep. Okay. So I like that one. The other one that I like, and they may be kind of adding this functionality built in, but it was, there's one called Tiny MCE Advanced, MCE Advanced. I don't know what that stands for, but it's like giving yourself more text editing options inside of your post composer window. Yeah. So straight out of the box, WordPress won't have stuff like adjust your headings, like H1, H2. It may not allow you to bold or change the text font size, things like that. So these are all little things that as a blogger or a podcaster, you're going to want to make sure your post is easy to read. So adding a WYSIWYG editor like TinyMC Advance or WP Edit is, is definitely good. Yeah. The reason or like how I discovered this was I wanted to make certain lines of text bigger. And the only way to do that was to make it a header two or header three. And it was like, well, I don't want to send the signal that this is like necessarily an important piece of text for search engine indexing or whatever. I just want to make it bigger and bolder. And so that's kind of what led me to the tiny MCE advance. You can change the color of certain text. Like I think it's a pretty cool little add on there. Yep. That's one of my 20. Cool. <laughs> cool. You're only top 20. You're only allowed 20, Nick. Okay. <laughs> what else you got on the favorite plugin front? Well, people always ask me about social media sharing plugins. Like what should I use? There's so many. I've been through a ton and my favorite is social warfare. It's at warfareplugins.com and basically it has everything that you want. So it has the ability to count total shares. You can have the kind where it, when you scroll down, it's like a sidebar and it's hovering to on the side of your post so people can see it and share. It has a click to tweet functionality built into it. It's lightweight. That's the biggest thing that I think a lot of social sharing plugins are is like a lot of them slow down your website performance. So of course, you know me, I'm all about speed. So I found a plugin that does the things that I want it to do, but it's also very lightweight. So it's, it's fast loading. It doesn't slow down your website. So check it out, Social Warfare. Yeah, I like that one. I'm new on Social Warfare, I think earlier this year, maybe late last year. It's like 30 bucks a year or something like that. But but I like that one. Mm -hmm. The other one, so we mentioned WP Optimize. It's like my database cleanup plugin that I've used periodically. There's one that I use for Twitter specifically called Revive Old Post, where it'll go through your archives and it'll tweet out a old post years versus just kind of letting those die in the archives, trying to breathe some new life into your archive content, basically. Yeah, that's pretty smart. And then the other one that I have on this list is the related posts plugin. I've tried a couple of these. One of them, the one that I started with was called contextual related posts. There's another one called yet another related posts plugin or something that seems to be pretty popular. I recently just switched to Yuzo, Y-U-Z-O, which is actually, I think, worse on the contextual part. Like it doesn't seem to be, doesn't seem to necessarily pull in the most related content, but I think it is more aesthetically pleasing and, and I think faster than the other one that I had. 
I see. I think it improves website readability. Like it's showing people cool posts that they should check out that's related. So, and that also improves SEO, whether you realize it or not, because it reduces your bounce rate, right? You, the more pages that people see on your website and the longer they stay, the better it is for Google as well. Sure. All right. Any other favorite plugins or is that, that enough? I think we have enough. Okay. I think we've shared a lot and people are going to be like, wow, tons, tons of links on the show notes for you. All right. What other mistakes are people making with their sites when they, they come to you, they sign up for Access WP or they want you to remake their website? Like, what do you see as glaring mistakes that, you know, are quick fixes for you? I don't know if they're quick fixes, but <laughs> I definitely see there's glaring is whenever you think about your website, and this is, we're going to probably shift a little bit to a website design perspective, which is making sure you make it very clear what your website is about and what you want people to do when they visit your website. Having a clear call to action is very important. Once they go, you maybe give them only one or two things to really kind of focus on, like click here or subscribe here or contact me or request a demo, whatever that action that you want someone to do, make sure it's very visible. It stands out. So if it's in a button, make sure it's a button that pops out, like it's bright green, bright red, bright orange, something that really stands out and is like, okay, you want people to do this. That's, I think the biggest thing. A lot of times people come to me and they They'll send me a website that they need help with. And that's usually the first thing that I ask them is like, okay, what is this website about? And what is the first thing you want someone to do when they visit your website? Yeah, that, that call to action is oftentimes missing when I first land on other people's sites. Or even just, even before that is like, well, who's this site for? What do you do? Who do you do it for? Mm-hmm. How do you help me? Why am I here? You know, <laughs> kind of thing. And then why am I here? And then what do you want me to do? So those two things. Exactly. I use the example of MailChimp for the longest time there was like the three word thing, like send better email. You're like, okay, tell me more. And you know, then you click the button and you're kind of on to their, you know, next step in their funnel. But you see that a lot on blogs where it's like, ah, this is not really clear. Like, is this for me? Like, why should I be reading this? Who's it for? One of the other things, like probably most of the themes that you're going to find today are going to be mobile responsive. So it's less of an issue than it was a couple of years ago, but make sure to test your site on mobile, Make sure, especially if you're running any sort of like the Sumo Me pop-up, any sort of lead pages, any sort of any of that, like make sure to test it on mobile, make sure it looks okay on your phone. The other one that I see quite often is the scroll down to the bottom of the page and it's like copyright 2014. And you're like, oh, is this company still in business? Like what's going on here? (laughs) Yeah. Keeping that current definitely gives you impression that you got everything under control. Set a calendar reminder for January 1st to go change your copyright date on your website. That's right. What else? Any other (laughs) mistakes that you see on websites? I feel like there's already so much information that we've shared on this this podcast (laughs) so far. And I just want people to be able to kind of focus on some of these good tips that we provided and don't want to overwhelm them. Fair enough. I will do one more before we wrap up. And that is linking, especially from your homepage. And this is often kind of like either in like the very header of your site or even down in the footer, but like maybe it's built into your theme, but it's like these social links, you know, check us out on LinkedIn, check us out on Instagram, check us out on Pinterest. And, you know, first of all, I want to see those links open in a new tab. So you might have to go in and change that setting to target equals blank. But the second thing is like, if you're not going to be active on Twitter, don't link to Twitter. Like, I don't want to go there and see the same thing. Like, oh, they haven't tweeted since 2014. Like, it would be better to leave that link off entirely. And then I don't have to worry about, well, they haven't tweeted since 2014. Are they still in business? Like, what's going on here? That's another one that I see quite often on different sites. But Anthony, 
Awesome stuff. Thank you for joining me. I got some homework from this one, as usual, and that's the mark of a good episode. Marketingaccesspass.com is where you can find Anthony, and also accesswp.com. That's his WordPress support service. I have an affiliate link for that. If you want to go through that, I'll link that up in the show notes for you at sidehustlenation.com slash Anthony, as well as get you a little bit of a discount on your first month of service over there. But let's wrap this thing up with your number one tip for Side Hustle Nation. doesn't have to be website related, by the way. I would say I learned a lot this year as far as allowing myself to let go. What I mean by let go is be able to build a team and outsource things that I'm not good at. So whatever that is, maybe you're really good at writing blogs, but you don't want to deal with all the headaches of the technical stuff of running your business. You can definitely build a team around yourself to kind of take care of those other things. So there's definitely some things that I was like, ah, I don't really want to work on that. Now I found better people that can do it much better, faster than me. And it definitely allows me more time to focus on things that I'm good at. So that's the one thing I would say. And I think you probably talk about that a lot, Nick, is, you know, having virtual assistants, having outsourcing services and just building a team. So that way you can focus on what you're good at. Yeah, I'm like a recovering control freak and, and still kind of relapse every now and again. But allow yourself to let go is really good advice. It's kind of it's kind of what I need to hear at, at this point in the in the journey. So I'm, <laughs> I'm working on it and I really like that one. So Anthony, thank you so much. We'll catch up with you soon. Cool. Thanks, Nick. This edition of the Side Hustle Show is brought to you by FreshBooks.com, the cloud accounting solution that's recommended by 97% of small business owners. I was chatting with Rob Eng, who's actually a senior marketing manager at FreshBooks, and he's a FreshBooks customer for his side hustle, which is a sandwich catering business. I thought that was super cool, but Rob shared this story about how every single employee spends their first month on the job answering the phones to learn firsthand about FreshBooks customers and the product. Whether you're, you know, the VP of marketing or you're just a developer, um, you have to do that full month and we actually can't use it. You're actually a full-time sport rock star. So you have to really empathize to learn about our product, learn about the people that work at FreshBooks and learn about our customer. It's a big investment we do to really show that even if you don't have a side business, we want you to understand and empathize with our customers. You, so when you do your actual job you're hired for, you have the customer in mind. Visit freshbooks.com slash side hustle to start your 30-day completely free trial today. That's freshbooks.com slash side hustle for bookkeeping bliss along with rockstar support. All right, my top takeaways from this call with Anthony number one. WordPress is super powerful, but it can take a little massaging to really optimize it for your needs. I'm obviously a fanboy, but I also get that my opinion is probably tainted by working with the WordPress platform, the WordPress software for the last eight, almost nine years. It's kind of like that toy on Christmas morning that you know is going to be awesome, but you also know there's some assembly required. There's a little bit of effort. There's a little bit of work that you're going to have to do before you can like fully enjoy it. But I encourage you to take the time to assemble it because your website is probably the foundation for everything you do online. It's your first impression for new clients. It's your online resume. It's your business card. It's your marketing machine. So let's take good care of it. Takeaway number two is to do a site cleanup. And maybe you can make this a kind of a New Year's resolution type of thing. Check out the uh, the unused plugins, the unused themes, the unused tags that you may have floating around in your website, even your outdated or irrelevant content. And you can take a, make a project to add or update your meta descriptions on your top performing posts like we talked about. 
or even the post that you would like to be top performing or think you think could be performing a little bit better. Now, as an example, since recording this episode, I've been able to streamline the plugins on my site. I'm still not down below 20, but have been able to cut down that list by uh, by a healthy amount and actually shave a full second off of the load time of my site just by making uh, a few tweaks inspired by this uh, by this chat with Anthony. So hopefully that is reflected in better search positions and more users sticking around to read the content on the site going forward. That's takeaway number two to kind of do that site cleanup process. And takeaway number three is just to hire help. I'm generally pretty good at being able to figure stuff out. And my wife will vouch for this. Like I will send her texts during the day saying, I'm a programming genius. Should I be spending my time on Stack Exchange trying to figure out how to edit my CSS without breaking the site? Maybe not. Probably not. And I feel like I've done less of that this year and gotten better about asking for help or hiring out uh, for technical support than in the past. But that's the great thing about WordPress. It's accessible enough that you don't have to be super technical to make it work. But at the same time, I've also spent hours attempting to make some minor change that probably would have cost next to nothing to just, you know, swallow my pride and let some pro do it. So takeaway number three, hire help, especially if, you know, the whole technical stuff is really intimidating for you. You don't, you don't want to touch it. Like I, I'm with you. I don't blame you. And there's a whole ecosystem of uh, people ready and willing to, to serve this WordPress community, this website community. So once again, tons of resources mentioned in this episode. So be sure to hit up sidehustlenation.com slash Anthony to check out all of those links and to download the free PDF highlight reel with all of Anthony's top tips from the call. And that's it for me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, let's go out there and make something happen. And I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show, where you'll hear from one of my most popular guests, what's working today in the world of private label product research. Hit the subscribe button in your podcast player app, and it'll be automatically beamed to your device next Thursday morning. I'll see you then. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com. 